Hello and welcome to the first full strength back of the grid for a little while. Chris is back. Well, I say full strength. Chris isn't say. really at full strength. There's like two and a half of us here this week. <laughs> so yeah. Chris is kind of here, jet lagged and unwell. I wouldn't say, I think between the three of us, we probably add up to about two people because I'm so <laughs> Okay, so, I, so, so Stu is also rough. That means I'm the only one. And if you haven't worked out by now, this is Tom speaking. Um, and I'm the only one at full strength, it would appear. <laughs> so this should be fun. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah. Um, I mean, wow. Hungarian GP. I mean, specifically <sighs> Ferrari. Wow. <laughs> not a good wow. Look at my not face. That is not then. a good wow. Oh God! Straight I mean, in there. no, no. I'm, well, I was just going to sort of say generally enjoyed enjoyed the race on the weekend. Yeah, I've not had much time to like really go on the internet and sort of because I only watched it this. I w- was up early this morning and watched it this morning first thing, and I haven't really had a chance all day to be on the internet and find out what sort of the world made of. <laughs> that whatever that was but like, i mean it was it was a good grant i think overall it was a very gripping grand prix wasn't mm. it through from start to finish there was yeah. things happening the entire time in you know in the front running positions as well which is always amazing to see that like, you don't expect that in a formula one race usually it's usually just one or two at the front but this or if if, if that yeah and this was like uh, you know any of the top five could have won it right up until the last sort of 10 laps i think yeah, yeah you, could have, you could have picked any of the top five or six to be on the podium and you would have like believed it was possible in any order. It was, yeah, um, yeah really compelling race, really enjoyable. Good. Let's break it down then. And we are going to start with Ferrari um, because, <laughs> I mean, it's beating around the bush to try and do anything else first, but... Their race story is starting second and third, yet finishing fourth and sixth. Um, also, bizarrely reacting to two of the drivers who started on softs when both the Ferraris started on mediums. So, like, countering a strategy that their cars weren't on. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, in general, putting Leclerc on the hard tie, which was a tie that was clearly not working for anyone else for for his last stop, instead of trying to eke out the mediums and go to soft, which is basically what um, Hamilton and Verstappen both did. No, sorry, it won't be Verstappen, will it? Hamilton and somebody else did it. Though. Hamilton and Sainz both did medium, medium, Sign. soft. So, yeah, sorry, they ended up doing it right with Sainz, but not yeah. with Leclerc. That's right. I knew there was another one. I think, um, like, one of the most telling things was, you know, Pirelli always, like, released those graphics of, like, this is what we think is the optimum strategy. This is very slightly slower. Here's some slightly wacky alternative ones. Even Pirelli's most wacky mm. alternative strategies weren't as wacky as what Ferrari came up with <laughs> for Leclerc. Like, yeah, it was mad. Um, the, um, I, I saw someone over the last couple of days describe it as, it felt like Ferrari were so afraid of making a strategic mistake and losing a race again. They found a new way to make a strategic mistake and lose a race. <laughs> like that, they're, they're trying to like second guess yeah. themselves almost. It was, you know, I mean, I, we were, we were talking earlier, Chris, on on our other chat group, and 
I, I, and I, this is like, I have three, I have three theory, theories here for this. And given the competitive nature of Formula One, I'm going to go into my final theory a little bit more <laughs> detail. But my first theory is that the simulator is just old and they need to update everything and, you know, get it up to speed so they can be competitive. The second theory is that the strategy simulator is broken and it needs fixing. So just turn it off and on again. Um, and the third theory is that maybe it's been hacked. <laughs> like someone from, I don't know, uh, 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 one of their competitors, given the competitive nature of Formula One and given that it's not in the rules or there's no laws against it that I can think of. Maybe someone has hacked Ferrari's <laughs> strategy computer and they're just giving them weird things to do during the races. Maybe Ant and Deck are on the uh, doing the old meme. <laughs> they're know, doing the it, get tell out of my tell ear. Them, yeah, someone tell on the pit wall has got Ant and Deck speaking yeah. to him in their ear. That's in, they're in a niche <laughs> British reference. Yeah. British Saturday Night TV reference. The the best strategy. <laughs> <laughs> guys, guys, we've got to go to the hearts. <laughs> now, 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 make him pay again for soft, guys. I think we should bring him back in for the softs. <laughs> we've only done fifteen laps. Tell him it's fine. It's fine, guys. This is the best call. Yeah, and they're just in stitches oh. down there. Oh, that'd be amazing. It's the best call. <laughs> it's, it's it's weird though because it's it's something we've criticised oh. Mercedes for a lot in the past, and it's. After the race, like Bonosa was there saying, oh, well, we, we don't think we made mistakes because all our simulations said this is the right thing. And it's like all the evidence Clearly, was there like, that it wasn't. I don't care what your simulations say. We've just watched Alpine and Haas put these tyres on and just be shocking. So, yeah. It's like... Uh, it's so why, obvious. Why like, would look I at what is unfolding in front of you, yeah, and use that. Like, yeah. over-reliance on computer simulation, it seems, is is happening to a few teams in Formula 1. It's happened. It did happen to Mercedes. Was it Turkey? Um, yeah. And then, yeah, Ferrari seems to be doing it again. They've got too much faith in what is going on in, the, in, in these sort of weird algorithm systems that everyone's got set up and not enough faith in just the visual and the 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 clear and present moment and it, of what's going on. Yeah. I think it also points to just a lack of self-confidence as well. Like yeah. when when Verstappen and Russell, who'd both started on softs, pitted, if Ferrari had just sat there and said, no, we're on the medium tires, we've got the fastest car, we're just going to have the confidence to stick to our plan, stay out, even if we end up losing track position, we've got the pace, we'll stick to the plan, we'll be fine. And they didn't. And if, if they'd done that, I think they'd have probably had a one-two, honestly. But they reacted to something they didn't need to react to and just yeah. all fell to pieces. I mean, it's it, strange. Even, even when they got it sort of right with signs, they compromised his final stint because of mm. how quick they'd brought him off the mediums like he ended up having to do 20 something laps on the softs because of the timing because he sort of eked out the mediums on that middle stint for about 30 laps yes but it left it. him with like 20 something left and mm -hmm. if they'd have just pushed the original mediums that bit further like even to 20 odd laps or something you just ease what 
you're going to have to do on those softs at the end if you've not got faith in them. Yeah, and you'd also you'd think that given that they couldn't get, they never got the hard tire switched on. And my my feeling is that they gave little Kirk that they saw, they probably did see that and had confidence in that. My this is my real theory now, not my silly theory about <laughs> you know, making jokes about hacking. Um, I think they thought that their car had enough downforce and enough speed to bring the tires in. Hmm. I think that's. I think they saw those slower cars. They saw the what is it was the Haas and the Alphas that. Both Ferrari engine cars. Yeah, that um, they'd not. They've clearly not got the tires switched on. Uh, the Alpines as well, but the Alpines were on a totally different wild strategy, just a one stopper. Um, and they probably thought, yeah, we've got loads of downforce, we've got high top speed, we've got power, we've got torque. Maybe we we think we can get these tires switched on based on you know what we know about our car and how how aggressive it is with tires. So we we think we can defend for the race, but I just think it points to a lack of maybe it points to a lack of awareness about their own package for them to think that. And I yeah, just don't maybe. see how you'd have to have like so much more downforce than any other car to be able to mm. get the car those tires switched on. That it just made no sense. Like, I mean, why do that? Just to illustrate just how wrong it was to be on the hard tire. So the second stops Verstappen came in lap. 38, um, Leclerc came in lap 39. The laps leading up to that, Verstappen was doing like, what is it, 23.7, 23.5, 23.5, 23.7. Leclerc was doing slightly faster, like 23, 3, On fresh mediums as well. Um, yeah. yeah. Their in-laps, although they're a lap apart, their in-laps were both 26.3. Their out-laps, so Verstappen out, his out-lap on mediums, um, Leclerc on hard. Verstappen did a 39-4. Leclerc did a 45-3. That's a a six-second swing (laughs) just in their outlaps. Like, it's wild. How did they not realize, like, straight away? Yeah, and then they... Get him straight back in for, for... for, for mediums. It's madness. It's absolutely well, madness. Well, the, the, point, the point would have been, though, if they'd have put him back on mediums, it'd have been no hope, like, because he'd already done two stints on mediums. Yeah, I guess hindsight. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, we already yeah, but, knew there was no... We know now that there was no hope on them. The, we didn't know at the time whether that car was going to switch the tyres. Yeah, the, the thing was, like, we, we sort of discussed it amongst us in the Discord at the time it was happening. And the thing was that, like, putting the hards on when it was clear the hards weren't working was an insane decision, full stop. And then the question came up of like, well, they haven't got much choice because they need to pit to an alternate compound. But then the solution to that is, so stay on the mediums longer until the soft becomes viable. Because even if you had to go slow on the mediums to keep them alive long enough to get to the soft, you'd have still more than likely been faster than what they were on those hards, especially when you've got an outlap like that, that deficit. You'd have probably lost that over five or six laps maybe on the mediums, but it'd have taken laps to lose six seconds, not an outlap. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you've got to think as well, like, so like if you're losing six seconds a lap within three and a half laps, you've already lo- lost a pit stop. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you don't know how long you're going to be losing six seconds a lap at that point. I mean, you, you've probably got an idea of how long it should take to 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 bring the tire in, but still, like that's fifteen such laps a huge, done, huge, 
that's not a normal <laughs> performance differential, is it? That's no. that's a no. very, very so even if you do bring the tires in, you're still gonna be probably you're looking at like four seconds a lap still slower. Yeah. That's a huge difference. So yeah. At, at no point was a, a hard tire. I'm, I'm laboring the point now, but I'm I'm just I'm so baffled by it. I cannot understand in what they were thinking putting him on that t- tire. No. No. It's like it's bonkers. Every literally everything there was no evidence to support putting him on putting him on that tire. Do you think someone from Red Bull is paying like Ferrari strategists <laughs> or something? Like there's some like weird skullduggery going on. So um, it's so strange. I mean, we we obviously had lots of inbox about this. Um I think it's best summed up by the one from Corey's a zombie killer who just said, can you tell me what's going on with Ferrari's strategy team department? Because I've given up trying to understand. I just don't know anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. I think Stu agrees with that sentiment. <laughs> yeah. But the interesting thing totally. is, so Ferrari's head of race strategy is a guy called um, Inaki Rueda, I believe it is. Um, it's called he's called Trick Trickerson. <laughs> he's called Christian Hornder. Yeah. <laughs> Christian Schmorner. <laughs> but but he has been there as head of race strategy for eight years. So Stefano Domenicali, um, Marco Matteacci, Maurizio Riverbeni <laughs> have all come and gone in that time, and Mattia Bonotto has joined. And Alonso, funnily enough, Reichen the strategy has been rubbish that entire time as well. Just yeah, pointing exactly. out. <laughs> This is, yeah, well, this how is, is how have three team like, principals lost their job and he hasn't? <laughs> exactly. Out there. They've, had a, they've had Alonso, didn't win a title. <laughs> Raikkonen came back, didn't win another title. Vettel never won a title there. Now we've got Leclerc and Sainz. And, you know, it, it, it just point, seems... We, I mean, we, we, we need to be careful here because we're singling one person out and you shouldn't yeah. really do that because it's, it's a team and, and they're a strategy team within Ferrari as well. So, you know, mm-hmm. but having said all that, for a long time, for every driver that we've said, for all these years we've been doing this podcast and we've been talking about Ferrari and we've always said about the drivers not winning, the driver is not the problem at Ferrari, right? Exactly. We said that about yeah. Vettel, yeah. we said that about Alonso, we've said that about Leclerc, we've said that about Raikkonen. And even well, now I hear, now there's a constant there. Yeah. But this it, is it, isn't it? <sighs> the, 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 the thing is, like, Things like this sort of fall on the team principal's shoulders, don't they? And like I said, we've seen multiple team principals go for Ferrari as a unit underperforming. But surely you have to start looking at what those constants are okay. and like look okay. within that strategy team. But, but this, I mean, here, here is the grand problem itself. Ferrari don't think there is a strategy problem. This is the biggest problem mm. in amongst itself at least publicly yeah. facing, Ferrari will not acknowledge there is a problem with their strategy. That's because the they're like, oh, we it? were just yeah. unlucky. Like, no, you made a stupid call. Like, have the yeah. stones to admit it and basically say, putting him on the hards was the wrong decision. Like, we need to go back and review. Like, they, they just publicly cannot seem to admit when there is a fault of that no. nature, maybe, maybe, maybe the head of strategy at Ferrari knows something about like the the, the top brass at Ferrari, and <laughs> they just can't get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> knows yeah. where the bodies are buried, <laughs> or, or even better, yeah, even better, 
maybe <laughs> um, Sebastian Vettel is retiring from Alpine, uh, not from uh, Aston Martin, <laughs> to go and run strategy. <laughs> Ferrari, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> but like, uh, oh, like you say, Tom, about how it's always like blame anything but and in many ways that's always been Ferrari's way it's like yeah. the public face in Ferrari's always been everything's fine it's not a problem we're Ferrari it's great and that's if that's the way I want to do it fair enough but how many times have we had this discussion and they've they're showing yeah. no signs of making any improvements if anything they're getting worse it's they mm. need PR training is they need some big time PR <laughs> training because like, and it's, the, the re- reality of what they say and but what they what they're saying our our reality as punters and um, you know just fans watching the sport and Ferrari's reality are just wildly detached from each other. They are yeah. different things. They live in a different dimension. Ferrari yeah. do, and it's frustrating because we want a close championship that goes down to the wire. And right yeah. now they're just handing it over like it's it's a shame isn't it like ferrari and and particularly their strategy like more the strategy than the reliability i think as well but those those things are like robbing us of a title fight right now i mean can you guys remember oh go on sorry oh no i was just gonna say like verstappen is now leading by 80 points going into the summer break that's like three full wins with dnfs that he could they could hand to Leclerc, and he would still come out on top at that point. Yeah. Like that's um, insane. Can you remember the the Singapore crash with like Raikkonen, Vettel, and um, oh Bull, the, Verstappen. Like, Verstappen, 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 where, yeah, yeah. Verstappen, Verstappen, Verstappen went into um, it was something like thirty three. Verstappen went into seven Kimi. And it was like blatantly obvious that it that was not the case whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, they had to do. Del- I think they had to delete the tweet. They they initially like stood firm with the tweet um, and replied to it saying, "You need to watch for the facts or something to that yeah, degree." And then, and then, like, and then they deleted it. The time, <laughs> yeah, that was around the time of the alternative truths. That was it. it? Yeah, yeah with, it was um, the alternative truths with Donald Trump. And we did that meet. We did that meet where um, he, we, we, we head swapped Arriva Bene with. Um, yeah, we did. Uh, that guy that who was the media guy for Donald Trump? I oh, I can't remember. Yeah, we did the head that swap was, though. Yeah, did the it head was swap good. On it, and then yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> if you you should go back and uh, have a look for that, guys. If you if you're listening, Singapore um, Grand Prix many years ago. Yeah, it might be yeah. like 2017 um, or something like that. Might have been earlier yeah. than that, maybe. It was it was Vettel here, obviously Vettel and Raikkonen. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, on a serious level, it is something has got to give. Like they can't keep making these strategic errors, and no. as a team, it's just. <laughs> It's not sustainable. The drivers are not the problem of Ferrari. We've been saying it for years. Ferrari are the problem at Ferrari. Or maybe, I mean, quite clearly, there is a serious, serious problem in the strategy department of yeah. Ferrari. Mm. I, um, if they're going to win championships, they need to sort this out. I said over the weekend, like, something has to change after the summer break. And if it doesn't, I don't know if Bonotto will survive until next season. The problem is, it's and not Bonotto is not the problem though, is he? This, yeah. And, yeah, this is it. Like, this is it. I, I, I like the guy, and I like that they've given him the job and stuck with him and given him the time to make changes. And in almost every other respect, he has improved that Ferrari team. 
if you look at the team he inherited compared to the team now, he's he's done a really good job. But the strategy side keeps failing them week on week. And ultimately, even if it's not his fault, ultimately the book does stop with him. He's the team principal and it's up to him to make some changes to fix it. And I think he needs to quick smart. You you don't think there's like a mole in the strategy department? Seriously now. (laughs) Like, stop, stop feeding the conspiracy theories. <laughs> stop being a troll. <laughs> I don't think a mole could come up with things as blatantly. If a mole came up with these strategies, they'd be afraid they're being too obviously wrong and they'd get found out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a <sighs> it's weird madness. one. Mental. Absolutely mental. Um, so, what, what else is there to say about Ferrari's race other than that? Because we've, we've gone on about that for a while now. I don't think there is much more to say, is there? Like that is that is a result that should have gone very differently for them. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, even even science, like science, ending up fourth from second with what was arguably the fastest car and race pace is not really that acceptable. And that that comes back to having to nurse the medium, the second set of mediums and the soft as much as he did because they paid way too early with the first set of mediums, like on trying to cover people on a counter strategy it was yeah like they messed up so, his race and slowed him down essentially for his last two stints do you think verstappen's pace was a factor in all of this i mean cuz he was very quick well i mean we could sort of use that to move into yeah, the red yeah, bull thing yeah. so like obviously he started 10th ended up winning the race played it very conservative for the first lap or two, like let everybody else squabble in front of him, picked his battles, which I found quite uh, different, let's say, for Verstappen because mm-hmm. the there was a time where turn one, lap one, Verstappen is like very much, this is my piece of track and yeah. you need to move out of my way. Whereas there were definitely situations, especially into turn one, where he sort of, he thought better of it. He could see cars making moves on each other around him and just kind of backed out of it and let it all unfold and just picked his battles, which was smart, um, smart yeah, sure. driving. Um, and it was the right thing to do. And I mean, look where it ultimately got him. Um, yeah, well, yeah. So Another very mature drive from, I, from uh, Max Verstappen. I think, I think if Ferrari had not scuppered the strategy for both cars, that he would have probably found himself finishing either second or third behind Leclerc. I think he'd have been fighting with signs for the second step of the podium, basically, because Verstappen was on form and signs was kind of doing okay with the Ferrari, but was essentially um, hamstringed by the strategy. And Leclerc's race was completely destroyed by the strategy. But Leclerc, for me, was faster than Sainz. Like they were, it, it was that classic thing again of them having to ask Sainz to push harder and harder and harder to mm. to justify keeping him ahead of Leclerc in that so, first stint. So you're saying in a in a perfect world where Ferrari got the strategy right, yep. Verstappen finishes second behind Sainz. Uh, uh, well, no, sorry, battling with Sainz for second. So, like, oh, and Leclerc. Essentially, yeah. yeah. In in a perfect world, Ferrari don't mess up that strategy. I would have said the podium was Leclerc, followed by Sainz and Verstappen in no particular order. Essentially, like they, they those two were probably squabbling. Yeah. 
Um, mm. But I mean, to be fair to like Louis, Louis, Louis and Max both essentially played an average pace whilst managing tires to perfection. Like the, those were both standout drives in that regard. They both managed their tires to make the strategy work and maintained pace while doing so. And yeah. they they both aced think, that in that regard, Lewis and Max. You, you don't think we're being a bit harsh then on on Ferrari to play devil's advocate um, because because Hamilton and Verstappen both had very 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 strong pace. And do you think maybe Ferrari were looking at their strategy and thinking, oh, maybe we just need to try something different because we're not. They're both the, so quick. They already we're, we're doing something different. Well, no, sorry, they weren't doing anything different. Sorry, I apologise. They weren't doing anything different to Hamilton um, because Hamilton also started on the mediums. It was Verstappen that started on the softs. But I'm saying, like, by the by, the first round of pit stops, were they looking at the pace of those two cars and going, "Oh, heck, we're we're in a bit of trouble here." Well, that goes back. I think that goes back to what I said earlier about self confidence. I think I think they did do that, and I think they should have just stuck to their guns. Um, Yeah. They just seem to get spooked by what everyone else was doing. Yeah, like the the thing is that they got Verstappen pitted from soft to go to medium, and so did Perez. And it's kind of like Ferrari forgot which tyres Red Bull had on at the start of the race or didn't even bother looking. And they just saw Red Bulls in the pits and were like, we need to cover this. And just reacted without consideration for the strategy that Red Bull were on or not paying enough attention to the strategy Red Bull were on. And it well, just feels like that is the catalyst of it all, basically. Well, that's another interesting difference in the two teams as well. Like Red Bull had every intention of starting both cars on the hard tyres. And the, yeah. on the laps to the grid, both drivers were like, these tyres are shocking, I can't get any heat, and there's no grip. And literally on the grid, in the minutes before the race, they listened to their drivers, made the call to start both on softs instead. The strategy team were just like, okay, cool, here we go. We, we're changing on the fly, yeah. here's a new strategy. They had the, you know, They had the confidence to do it, they had the trust in their drivers, and they played it fantastically. And you compare mm. that to Ferrari's just having a committee meeting over the radio and what tyres put on and arguing and it's yeah. just night and, and day when you compare do- the two. It's also, it feels like there's like a dogged determination to sort of do what the team think is best rather than listening to the actual drivers talking yeah. about the situation, right? Like the, the team always seems to win. The team always seems to know best and the drivers are almost like second-class citizens at Ferrari and they, they're not trusted to... that Their feedback is not is almost not trusted. It looks from the outside, that's how it looks. I'm sure it's not the case, but certainly on during a race when, you know, situations are unfolding and the driver is, is saying what they need, they don't seem to get what they think they need ever. Yeah. <laughs> and that's... Yeah, right. yeah. it's like you, you see it occasionally with other teams. Like, we, I mean, we've talked about it enough times, like... You occasionally hear a driver like question a decision and and want want to know some justification before maybe going ahead with a particular tire change or or whatever it might be, but it's like 
it's a handful of occasions at most that you could count. Like, you could count on one hand the number of times that, I don't know, uh, Norris has had to ask that decision of McLaren, for example. I mean, even Lewis to a degree. Like, Lewis, oh, is, yeah, probably, yeah. Lewis is probably the biggest culprit for making the team accountable for that decision. And even he has to ask for justification less than the Ferrari drivers do. Yeah, and the thing is, like, often I think Mercedes. I think the difference there is Mercedes have proved time and time again when you know when there has been that that air of doubt from the driver. Yeah, the, the response is always trust us. We, we've got this. You can do it. Just yeah. just keep doing what racing needs to do. We can win this. And then they then they go and win it. Right? They did yeah. it um, a few years ago in Budapest. Instantly, were against yeah. Hamilton Verstappen, um, and Hamilton's going mid tires are gone, Bono, and yeah. You know, that whole thing, and then he still, you know, he managed to get the victory from that. And the difference is the, the drivers have faith in the team. And how, as a Ferrari driver at the moment, if you're Carlos Sainz or, or Charles Leclerc, how can you possibly have any faith in what your team are telling you yeah. about the strategy when, when they've been let down so many times already this season? Both drivers yeah. as well. And like after after the race, um, Verstappen and Christian Horner both made a point of um, mentioning um, Hannah Schmitz, who is their strategist on the pit wall, and how just how good she is at just being very calm and confident under these kind of things, and just yeah, she takes it in, she makes a call, and then everybody else is like, okay, she's made the call, we go with it, and like, yep, yeah. that trust and confidence is just seems to be completely missing yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I feel like the yeah. Ferrari pit wall and strategy team is like the exact opposite yeah pretty much as in it's just chaos confusion and nobody really knows what's going on and nobody there isn't a person that is sort of analysing making that decision and then everybody's putting their faith in to say yep that's the right call mm-hmm <laughs> So it's crazy. So yeah. back to Red Bull. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Perez is Perez is more of a side note in this discussion. I think we need to talk more about <laughs> Max to be brutally honest, but how on earth does Max Verstappen 360 a car <laughs> in the final turns of a lap and still win a race? Yeah, like, no, we've like. just we've just we've just discussed at length how. <laughs> it, like it um, was insane. Yeah, yeah, it was, it, it was so quick. It's just so damn quick, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like obviously, we've talked a lot about the strategy differences, but Verstappen was incredible in that race. He was yeah, he was just very good. so so fast. Like his outlaps in particular were unbelievably good. Yeah, getting um, the tires switched on very quickly. Yeah, so impressive. Very quickly. Um, yeah, interesting. He, did, he managed that race so perfectly. He he yeah. he was aggressive when he needed to be. Got the tires yeah. switched on. Drove those. Drove. You know, eased the tires in when he needed to. As well, the mediums didn't like being sort of hammered straight away. You needed to go steady. <clears throat> yeah. And bring him in. Bring him in slowly. Um, he did all of that perfectly. Once he got out, he out in front. He conserved his tires and managed his race to perfection and that is that is that's how that's how he managed to have a spin because he was fighting an issue as well wasn't he he had a clutch problem and he was trying to like they'd change a lot of settings on the car during the race to try and 
mitigate that. And that made his upshifts a little bit unusual. And I think that's what he claims caused him to spin. Yeah. It just caught him out. Um, but to be able to have that spin and still be so much good, you know, even, even the process of having the spin, he didn't spin up the tires so much that he cooked them. You know, and change like yeah. the, the 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 properties of the tire. And he 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 managed to do it in such a way that he didn't put too much of a flat spot on any of them. He didn't have to pit for new tires, crucially, because if he'd lit those tires up, he would have been in the pits again. Um, he didn't kill the tire, and he kept it alive. And literally within a, what a lap or two, he's already back on Leclerc, yeah. and he gets by him. He, he he just breezed past him. He wasn't even. It was barely a move. Um. Yeah, just he had he had a huge huge advantage in that car, I think, especially compared to the Ferrari. Yeah, on the, but, on yeah. the wrong tire. Those yeah. tires were the hard tires this week were like gas pipes. <laughs> you might <laughs> gas pipes on um, I mean, I just saw someone in the chat say it, and it was something I had in mind as well. Like, as if we didn't know it already. I think this season is further proving that hamilton and verstappen are just in another league to the rest of the grid and yeah yeah the other drivers on the grid can match them and beat them sometimes but over the course of a season it's near impossible to do they're just on another level i i feel i feel sorry for leclerc in that conversation because i think leclerc has shown that his raw pace is easily on par with the two of them but he's been scuppered in races by either reliability or strategy. Like he's the, the, some of the laps he's pulled out in Q3 to like obtain a pole position. He's like sort of just proving that he has the raw pace, but. Oh yeah. Over, over one lap is one of the best. Yeah. Yeah. But he's not getting the, the opportunity to, um, to properly prove himself. I don't think at the minute. So I have I have a lot of sympathy for Leclerc. I think the pressure on your first the that first season when you've got the opportunity to win a world championship, the pressure is like absolutely immense. Eh? So we saw last season like Verstappen make a number of mistakes, but because it was such a tight fight, I feel like you know we probably let him off a little bit more of those mistakes because the pressure was insanely intense. Yeah. Um. I think the pressure is equally intense this year for Leclerc, but I think he, because it's being compounded by the fact that the team are letting them down so much that it's making it seem so much worse. I don't think Leclerc mm. is a driver who is any worse than Hamilton and Verstappen. I think he's up there. I think the speed's there, and I do think the temperament's there because you have to allow a couple of mistakes in that first season. If you look at how relaxed yeah. Verstappen is this year compared to last yeah. year, it's, and he, you know, obviously, he's making a lot less mistakes because he's just got so much more confidence in the team and in the car than what Leclerc has. And I think yeah. that's what it is between those guys. And the few mistakes Leclerc has made would be fine if he had the team to have his back all of the rest exactly. of the time. Yeah, and he just doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Should, should we talk about Mercedes now? We keep just, we just keep one. diverging into Ferrari. Oh, go on. <laughs> one more well, thing on Verstappen before we move on. Um, yeah, that's fair. Cra- we were crazily, supposed to be Red Bull. Um, the only time Verstappen's ever won from lower than fourth on the grid, which sounds oh, yeah. wrong when you hear it, but 
I, I guess he's had a lot of like podiums from really low on the grid, and that's maybe like skewed our perception of it. But um, yeah, yeah, interesting tidbit. Huh. Yeah, that is a good good tidbit. Nice tidbit, Chris. Yeah. Thanks. So Mercedes, <laughs> um, Ru- Russell's first poll. Congratulations to Mister Russell. Heck of a um, lap. Yeah, it was. It came out of no. Well, felt like it came out of nowhere. Like yeah. yes, there were laps that they had that were close to the front runners, but nothing that I thought would secure them a pole position like what Russell pulled out the bag. Um, yeah, that was a beautiful lap, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just one of those I think where everything was like bang on perfect. Like there wasn't yeah. a, a millimeter put wrong, whereas. You know, the other drivers maybe just had a, a tad of oversteer or understeer somewhere yeah. through the lap. Like, not enough to wreck it, but enough to, like, not get that perfect time. And that yeah. was kind of, like, the ultimate lap. Um, I yeah, don't think yeah. he could have done any better. Um, a bit of a shame that the race pace wasn't there and he went... Well, I say he went backwards. Like, he put up a, a very, very good fight for position, wherever he could. But ultimately, yeah, I think, I think the, the race fighting. pace of... Yeah, that may have hurt, hurt him, hurt his tires. Like it yeah. was, yeah. it was one of those where, like, the pace of like the Red Bulls and and so on and the Ferraris were, it it was his undoing. Like it was, it was always a struggle yeah. for him to, and I think that's the reason that Hamilton ended up ahead of him by the end is the fact yeah. that Hamilton was maintaining pace following, whereas yeah. Russell was trying to maintain maintain pace defending yeah. and the chewed only... up his tires a bit more in that reverse scenario. Yeah, the only really big fight from where I was sitting, from what I saw on the on the world feed, the only real big fight Hamilton had was with um, uh, with Lando Norris. Yeah. I think that that was kind of like a, he struggled a bit to get, but even then, even during that fight, he looked he didn't look like he was like hammering his tires too much. Like he managed to maintain yeah. sort of like a reasonable sort of life in those tires despite that. Whereas I think. The difference with Russell was he he had to fight a lot harder. He had to fight much more difficult battles. That fight he gave with that defensive fight he gave with Leclerc, he was driving the wheels off. Oh of it, yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah. So it was really really good. But yeah, it, 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 that it was those battles further forward, getting yeah. caught in all those scuffles that really really killed his race. I think. I guess there's an element of maybe hindsight that George can potentially learn from that as well. Like, had he not been so robust in defence and maybe looked at... I I mean, he's fighting for his first win, so it's probably... Until that comes, I think this won't change, but a a good hindsight view to look at it is, had he not fought so staunchly against like Leclerc and so on, he'd have probably been the one second rather than Hamilton and they'd have probably been the other way around because he'd have had more life in his tyres and been able to maintain pace later in the race mm. once he had been overtaken. And I think sort of uh, Verstappen in his current position, uh, Lewis in George's position, I think both would have fought reasonably well but known when, when it was like futile and kind of let Leclerc through and then hung on to his gearbox essentially and like just maintained a, a mm. nice pace behind him because I think that Verstappen and Hamilton in particular have in recent years sort of shown that uh, other than when fighting each other last year like 
they they show that reserve to like know when to pick a fight and when not to, um, and think bigger picture. And I think yeah. I yeah. think a lot of the time last year, the only people they were fighting were each other. They were yes. so far yeah. ahead of the rest of yeah. the field. So at that point, like you have to fight for everything. Yeah, exactly. You have to fight for every and position. but that that's obviously deal. a different scenario, isn't it? But I think yeah. that's the problem is while ever George is seeking out that maiden win, he's always going to fight to the death. I think to maintain that position just yeah. because of um like that monkey off the back scenario like yeah. once once he's done that he would probably maybe think a bit bigger picture yeah i th- i think in 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 russell's defense it was a weird race as well oh yeah like, definitely it, it was strange that those two fast cars <laughs> were so far back and and not having to get too involved in those initial salvos yeah um but also the weather played a part i think too like the weather was keeping the the track quite cool and those soft tires, it meant that Russell could make his soft tires last a little bit longer than what he might yep. have thought he, he was going to be able to. And the weather kind of stopped and you saw all the, just as, as the rain, sort of that mid-race period where the weather seemed look, 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 it was clearing up a bit. The track obviously warmed up somewhat and then all the soft tire runners started to to go off the boil and, and slow down and the medium tires were were just right in the sweet spot at that point. Yeah. So it kind of I wonder if that like played a that must have played a part in, it in, did, for in sure. the strategy. And the other thing is like I think the the medium, medium soft strategy Hamilton did, I think was probably the optimum strategy in that race. Um whereas obviously yeah. Russell started on the softs which meant he was having to try and extract pace out of the softs when the car was at its heaviest. But at the same time, yeah. if Russell hadn't started on the softs, he'd probably have lost the lead into turn one. So he kind of yeah, was damned if he did, damned if he didn't it, really on that. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, what a he got to... As well. yeah. It was a hell of a start. It was. Yeah. And he got to lead like a third of a race. I think I read Mercedes led more laps in that race than they have the whole rest of the season combined. Yeah, he, he was he was effect, he was in the net lead of the race for a long hmm. time. Like even after yeah. the pits, obviously he wasn't in the the actual lead of the race because there were cars ahead yeah. of him. But the, he had the net lead for a lot longer than it looked like because of the way the pit stops shook. Yeah, up. I think it was like I think mm. something like that. For, like good midway point through the, about thirty seven ish laps, he he had the net lead of the race. Yeah, he had the pace. Until he had the pace to hold the lead. I think that his trouble was with that strategy to keep the lead. He probably needed to use the softs to pull a gap at the start, and he only really had the yeah. pace to like maintain it, not pull a gap. But yeah, even so, um, very very good drive from him from both of them. Mighty like, drive. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Both of them. I think you know. I've been saying. Well, we've all been. I, I, I guess we all we've we've said multiple people have said by sort of mid by this point in the season mid well we're after mid-season now aren't we but um mm. expect mercedes to be back in it after the summer break as kind of that's been my line pretty much through the mm. through the whole thing and yeah. now with this pace from mercedes this weekend and being as fast as they were on merit you know a lot of this yeah verstappen you know spun and still won the race but mercedes have developed that car like it's not like it's not necessarily that the team, the other teams are like falling apart. I think Mercedes at the beginning of the season were over a second off the pace, and that they've more that they're about half that deficit to the yeah. to the teams right at the front. So yeah, there has definitely. been like significant development. 
Um, but also like you are seeing them now coming coming into the mix, having an impact on the front runners. And you know, you've got you it's clear to see that Red Bull are looking over the shoulder. I mean, they beat they beat one of the Red Bulls, so they just have to start beating the other one now, right? And then they're gonna be in the mix. Leclerc, <laughs> uh, sorry, um Russell is literally, I think he's about twenty points off second place in the championship. He's twenty points Yeah, he's mental. I'm mad. I mean the, the, the other side as well, um I'm sure when I checked earlier, Mercedes were like 30 points off yeah, Ferrari. They are. Yeah, it's ridiculous yeah, yeah. how close they are to Ferrari because it's of the crazy, DNFs and stuff. Yeah, how that's how is that? I mean, it just shows you, again, um, what a state Ferrari are in. Five yeah. podiums in a row for Hamilton now, which is the longest streak on the grid. Um, only Verstappen has scored more points than Hamilton in the last five races. Um, I mean... All you've got to do is look at after this race how excited Hamilton looked for the rest of the season. Yeah, like that that alone yeah, yeah. just speaks volumes. And I still do think right now they still have the third best car. They're just doing more with it, and they're closing that gap race on race. So, yeah, and I think with the with the technical directive coming in for the next one. I, you know, I've been saying this for a few episodes now. I true, I really do think that that's going to reel them, reel both the Mercedes and uh, sorry, reel the Red Bull and the Ferrari in a, a fair amount as well. Not, not maybe not, yeah, potentially, you know, maybe not half a second, but like it's going to bring them within touching distance. I, I, I truly believe that, and I think because that is a significant change that they're making to the, that they're having to make to those cars, and it's a yeah. really, really big downforce adder that they've that they've yeah. got with it. So. Yeah, I, I think we're in for a banger of the rest of the season. Be very, the be very interesting to see how it actually shakes things up going into um, yeah Belgium. Yeah, and, and you know if if we can, how good was this having like getting through ninety percent of the race, not knowing which of the top five or six were going to win? Yeah. But op, maybe a little bit optimistic with six because Perez never really looked like yeah he was going to be yeah not not this it. weekend, but. But it Generally. looked for a while like any one of the top six could have been, like we said, on the podium at least. So, yeah, yeah I think we can have a few more of those this season. We're in for a we're in for a good running. Definitely. Um, quick bit of stops around other teams on the grid. Um, McLaren, Norris started fourth from a really really strong qualifying performance. Yeah. He'd looked good on that one lap pace all weekend up to that point. Um, they didn't seem to really have the the race pace, um, but I mean, held out for seventh and best of the rest behind those top three teams. Um, his third seventh place in a row, and his tenth points finished this season. So that's good, considering that they're still not quite happy with the car between them. Um, yeah, Ricardo had some like interesting overtake moments, <laughs> but then ended up with a penalty after. Uh, he sort of understeered out into Stroll, didn't he? he kind of washed out, yeah, um, a little bit. Um, but I yeah, picked think... up a five second penalty for that. I do feel like at the time watching the replays that Stroll could have left a bit more room there, but ultimately, yeah, like Ricardo was the one trying to overtake and he just understeered out into himself. Mm. I mean, he, he took the blame for yeah. himself, so yeah, I think, I think it's one of those that is very borderline to be in a racing incident, but 
because yeah. he's the one like trying to make the move. That's probably why it's gone the way it has. I think. Yeah, the penalty um, just about fair. He got like a point or two yeah. of his license as well, which is, seems a little harsh. But then again, silly we're as points per... for track limits these Jeez, days. So who knows? Yeah. That's just out. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It, um, it is pretty silly. Yeah, banging move though. Amazing move. On yeah, the one cars. around the Alpine. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, so yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. So opportunistic. Yeah, very Ricardo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of Alpines, um, looked decent in qualifying, um, both on the third row. Um, only team to make the one-stop kind of work. I mean, did it work, do we think? It, it worked for them, I guess. Like, yeah. the pace wasn't amazing on the hard tyres, but the thing is they'd made the call early enough to, to kind of make it work and at least be able to go to the end um so i guess strategically I, it sort of worked out for them i think it worked in that if they'd done a more normal strategy they probably would have finished in the same places maybe yeah. one of them would have finished ahead of norris maybe at a push but it certainly didn't yeah. cost them positions put it that way yeah um so solid double points for them. Um, Aston Martin, um, absolutely terrible qualifying run. <laughs> Again. Both out in Q1, were they not? Yep. Struggling to get through Q1. Um, but yeah, they um, 10th and 11th again, same as last time. Um, Vettel was the one scoring the point though this week, so the other way around, but... Another tenth and eleventh rear, finish for them. Interesting rear wing they've got on that. Very outfit, interesting. Uh, on that yeah, line, isn't it? I'm. I mean that I'm that's the talking point for them, isn't it? For this weekend. Very surprised yeah. no one else has come up with that because that they've essentially found a way to stay within the rules and bring like end plates back from the grave, which is pretty much. Yeah. 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 There's not really a lot that can be done about that one, I don't think, because they they are to the letter of what's written down they've, yeah they've made that there's it's not, that's why it's got a, it's, it's sort of round because the it's like a tube that runs across across where an end plate should be and a, a, some surfaces joining up to it but none of the radii of though any of those circumstances surfaces are more than i think it's 20 mil yeah the radius so two r- roughly two centimeters it looks like it's got two tubes on it and yeah, it's like basically like a little S forms like an S that joins up to a yeah, kind of an end plate. They've made rounded end plates. Effectively. Yeah, like, it's, it's a classic really case clever. of like not necessarily in the spirit of the rules, but within the wording of the rules. It's, yeah, it's weird. I think if that, I think finished... this is like the, 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 there's a difference between what they're doing there and with what Ferrari and Red Bull and some other teams are doing with planks as well. I think because the, the spirit yeah. of the rules and the letter of the rules there are quite clear that it should be a fixed member that doesn't move and that's clearly not the case so yeah anyway i think if uh they'd have finished higher than 10th or 11th we might have heard a bit more of a stink from other teams about it but as it was yeah we'll see what the next few races bring i guess yeah i wouldn't be surprised if that shows up on a few more cars now Now, there hasn't been a protest because the fact that there hasn't been a protest as well helps other teams if other teams decide they're going to do it they could you know part of their defense can be well it's no different to what um Aston did in Hungary and no one protested them. So why is it a yeah. problem now? You know? I imagine yeah. there will be some of the that's... classic um, clarification requests from other teams. The old, if we were to yeah. do this, would huh. this be allowed? 
Yeah. yeah. We should do but the I mean, following. It, it, the, the thing is, it already has been allowed now. So yeah, it's past Korea. Un- yeah, like yeah. yeah, yeah, it's past that. So it's, it's, other teams are going to have to do some... Oh, they're they're going to have to have either protest it, which, again, would be... The, there's a good, def- strong defence there against a protest now, mm-hmm. or they're just going to have to make it. So they'll probably end up making it. Either way, I guarantee you that'll be illegal by next season. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they'll, yeah. They'll, they're just going to have to reword the rules, aren't they? Yeah, um, as per. Haas? Yeah, a little bit for Haas. Um, well, one of the cars was upgraded and seemed very much reminiscent of the Ferrari mm. itself. Um, it was on Magnuson's car, those side pods and that upgrade. If you're going to upgrade it to look like a different car, the Ferrari is probably the nicest one to do it. Like so, yeah. I, I I wouldn't mind seeing a few more Ferrari shaped F1 cars on the grid. I'm, I'm sure yeah. I read that Gunter Steiner said something along the lines of, "Well, of course we copied the Ferrari; it's the fastest car. We're not going to turn up with a car yeah. that looks like the Williams, are we?" <laughs> Classic Gunther. Um, yeah, we never really saw like the true capability of you know what the upgrade could do because uh, Magnussen had his front left end plate hanging off. Um, for the first like five laps something and got meatball flagged Again, and yeah. forced to change the wing and he kind of just killed his race didn't it like he never it's twice it's happened to him this season though he's just been yeah. meatballed on lap one and ruined his race he's yeah. been meatballed I like that <laughs> um, right all things considered it's time my friends to um, suggest some nominees for driver of the day yeah. I, I mean I think it's Verstappen. I mean, I, anyone I that can do a 360 and win a race is a candidate for me. Well, uh, I guess that's a, that's the only sort of mark against him, isn't it? The fact yeah, that he did is. do a 360. Like, yeah. But, yeah, such was the pace. He was able to continue on and win the race and manage that situation very well. Yeah. I do struggle to give it to the race winner who has done a 360 and not executed the perfect drive. And I think, you know... People are going to hate on me for this, but I think Hamilton did execute the perfect drive for given where he started, and he would have been in a. He might have even been with a shout for a win. Yeah, had, he not had the DRS issue the day before in quality. Yeah, no, but if you can fair. do a three hundred and sixty and still win, why wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just, just, it's just a flex, man. It's a flex. If it, if that was a flex, it was intentional. Then fine. It it, if it was intentional, then yes, but it was a mistake. <laughs> it, and and you can't, I don't, in my heart of hearts, I can't give someone who's made such a huge mistake driver of the day. I think it's crazy. Do you know what I the mean? I, like, the irony in that is, I bet he got some plus points for the catch that he made um, in Brazil from us. <laughs> yeah. Back in the day. I th- I think mm. I think if he had done yeah. that and won from like the front row, I'd be a bit more with you. But the fact that he won from tenth, I think, undoes the negative points that the spin gives him. Okay, yeah, so, okay. I'm I'm, I'm we, there. We'll let him I'm off. with you. We'll let him off with a spin. He can go driver of the day then. Fine, you've convinced me. I think, I think yeah, I think starting well. star position is the candidate. That, the thing that makes him more of a candidate there. So Vettel eighteenth to tenth is an honourable mention as well. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Strong drive from Vettel. Very strong. Three is max for me. Yeah. Okay. That's that's good. 
Um, move of the day, I mean, we've talked about one already, which was Ricardo's double overtake on the Alpines. Um, yeah. Leclerc, I, the, having, the, the lengths he had to go to to get past Russell. Uh, I that mean, that was, a, a, that, was a, that was solid commitment to that was a have to move. go around the outside like he did. Yeah. So, that was a big committed pass. I enjoyed that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, both really good. I think uh, I'm going to struggle not to give it to the driver who went past two cars in one move, though. It's hard not to, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think, I think as soon as I saw that, it was already going to win it, and everything else was yeah. just an unfortunate runner-up. <laughs> yeah, the, the race after that was substitute to that one move, I think. Yeah. <laughs> the entire race after was never going to match that one move through through turn two into three. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was banging. Class, classic Ricardo move. Very, Such very a good simple. sequence of corners that for overtaking as well. Yeah, it is. And you know what? We said, we said Tom and I said last week that um, you can expect to see cars being overtaken down there. And there were a number of moves down towards the kink, like heading down towards there were, the kink. Yeah. So that right hand of through turn three into, four, I think, four is the kink. Um, there were a lot of moves down there. So, yeah. yeah. Um, these cars as we said at the time, like this was, it would be a good proving ground for the aero. And I think yeah. that run of corners has really sort of brought these cars into their own and shown what can be done with them. So yeah, really, really pleased about that. Yeah. And then last one for this week. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like, I hate to just use this as an excuse to bash Crofty, and I'll try not to, but the end of that race was particularly egregious. Like, mm. when there's a virtual mm. safety car two laps from the end, and he's going, oh, I wonder if someone's going to pit for Inters or Wets in case it starts raining more. And, like, Martin Brundle even kind of did a bit of a, mm, don't know about that one, just to try and, like, gloss up, gloss over it and give him an out. And then he just doubles down on it. He's like, oh, but what if it starts wrestling? Two laps left, mate. Yeah. Virtual safety what car. What if as well? Like, yeah. Well, it's yeah. not raining, so why would you put intermediate tires on? Drive to the conditions. Like, be be on the right tire at the right time. Bonkers. You know, just yeah, silly, silly comments. <laughs> um, hard tires I mean, at Ferrari, though, man. Like, yeah, of like being on I the mean, right tires is... at the right time. It was the wrong tire. It was never at no point this weekend was that ever the right tire to be on. So why, especially for that car, so why put them on it? Like, just... Yeah. I can't. I really can't. I'm really struggling to cope with Ferrari. I, I don't want to... Like... Have I ever told you that, like, I'm a huge Ferrari fan? <laughs> <laughs> have I mentioned this? I don't know if I've mentioned this, but I've got to say... I mean, you don't act it's... like one, Stu. <laughs> They're a really hard team to be a big fan of. That's the thing. Like <laughs> I think, I think we've all like, <laughs> become bigger Ferrari fans this season than we've ever been, and we're just now experiencing the pain that that involves. Yeah, man, it's brutal. It's like being like a. It's like being a Man United fan. Did you know Jeff's actually like, only eighteen? The bones are there. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff's only eighteen. The only reason he doesn't look eighteen is because he's a Ferrari fan. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff, I couldn't resist. Yeah. I mean, Join Patreon and get abused directly on an episode. <laughs> yeah, um, we can dance around yeah, Ferrari... and find other things, but I, I just can't look past that. Honestly, no. It... They need a new Stratomatic 3000, don't they? They need to upgrade to the, yeah. to the 5000 series, maybe. I don't know. It's just... It, 
I've I've run out of things yeah, to say like we, about how mental keep, it is. Like I we can I keep laboring the point. But... Enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, you know, more decisions that go against the clear and obvious direction that they should be taking. That that and yep. it's I said this last week. It is so obvious, even sitting at home, that it's the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. Like I think yep. people who are new to the sport could see that the hard tire wasn't the tire to be on at that point in the race. And yet they still, they, it's just, it's my, I swear the strategists are watching a different race. They're putting, <laughs> someone's putting the wrong information into the strategy system for that yeah. to have been the conclusion. Like there's just no way that was, I can't fathom it. I cannot fathom it. The, the strategist is just playing like F1 Clash on their phone and going, yeah, the hard tires <laughs> look good for this. <laughs> Let's just get to the end. It seems fine. <laughs> Uh, it's right. like you know what it's like. It's like when you first play. Did you ever play? You guys played Motorsport Manager. Ferrari yeah. are having like their first hour on Motorsport Manager. Yeah, where you just test and see what works. <laughs> yeah, that's Ferrari season. Is like my first yeah. hour on Motorsport Manager, figuring everything out. <laughs> just, just like throw some random strategies out there, see what works, and then yeah. delete the save and start again. Yeah, <laughs> Ferrari Except playing that real life. This is real life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. lot. There's hundreds of thousands of millions of pounds. Oh God, <laughs> the money as well. The money that team has. How do they have such a bad strategy team when the money going into that team? They get royalty payments just for being in Formula One. They get given seventy million pounds, I think, euros a year or dollars a year. Seventy million spondulies a year for just showing up. How are they this bad? It's it's mental. Yeah, but they don't spend any of it on strategy. That's the key point. Because the strategy Obviously. department is fine, Stu. I don't know why you're criticizing them. It's fine. They're just unlucky, okay? They're it just makes unlucky. Me angry. <laughs> I'm going to move us on to predictions, <laughs> which were utterly, utterly trash this weekend <laughs> for everyone. Nothing Same. went well. I mean, you getting a solitary point, Stu, is. Um, probably like the highlight of all of predictions, pretty much. Yeah, mainly because of what the point was for. I'll get into Where it in a second. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that predictions. So for us, like we said, Stu's the only one that's got any points. He got a single point for the clears random position of sixth. Um, oh, sorry, position as random driver. I did also sixth. have him as the pole position. <laughs> <laughs> you did, which seems like a sensible idea <laughs> i mean yeah picking him for the win was seemed a sensible idea um chris is probably very aggrieved because he had hamilton down for a win um yeah which i mean very close but no cigar um yeah but you were the only person to get the closed finishing position right Stu, in oh, six does that mean they get an extra point <laughs> no uh <laughs> peter willington was the only person to go with Russell for fastest in Q3 as well. So congratulations to Peter because you're the only point that uh, person scoring a point there. Uh, and five people were our joint top scorers this week with a grand total of two. Uh, various combinations, but the highest scores this week were two. Quickly with names, Charlotte Taylor, Eric Mills, Ian Bellis, Peter Willington and Felicia Tam. You're the only people who scored more than a single point. So congratulations to you. And it won't be any surprise to anyone to know that the top three is exactly the same as it was last week. Even the same number of points. 
So it's Tom Thorne, Jana Berger, and John Murphy. They are your top three. Very catchable still, I would say. 23 points. Yeah, it's pretty close. Very doable. It's very doable. It's all to fight for. Um, yeah, um, grid rival, very quickly. We've also got grid rival, obviously. Uh, our top three this week were Mal, scored just over 1,000 points with 1,004, uh, clear of Green Lantern Corps and Mr. X, who were second and third, respectively. Our top three overall hasn't changed a bit, though. Green Lantern Corps still wins, leads the way. Mr. X second and ID Depraz second, uh, third, sorry. And I've still never been corrected on ID to Praz, so I'm assuming I'm saying it right whenever I read it like that. Hmm. Chris, guess what? What? You were our biggest improvement this week, which means yes. you probably actually finally renewed some contracts. I did, yeah. Guess who I changed my team <laughs> <She's>... to? <laughs> all Red Bull? <laughs> no, Ferrari. No, all Mercs. Oh, what? <laughs> and you still scored 734 yeah, points more than previously. You definitely didn't have a team before that. You definitely had some contract slaps. Yeah, I thought that. I thought that much. Um, our biggest movers this week were Kells five 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 and Kevin, who both jumped forty two places between them. So very good. Hmm. Head to backofthegrid.com. There's plenty of time to sign up between now and when the season resumes in Spa. Yeah. It's always you worth entering all... because you get a prize for the top five. You, if you do. Right. You, well, ah, yeah. That was awful. Five out of five. <laughs> yeah, if you get Just a five out of five, there's a prize <laughs> every time. Yes. Uh, and Grid Rival is available on there as well. Just head to backofthegrid.com slash Grid Rival or click the fantasy link and there's links to the fantasy leagues there. Should we do some news, nice. gentlemen? Quick news. Rattle Bit of news. news. Because we've avoided it somehow in hmm. the previous hour we've done. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Vettel officially announced his retirement from F1 um, and gave us a little bit of insight into who he is as a person. His favourite colour is same blue. Video. His favourite colour is blue. And he likes being I challenged by people. Oh, it's, it, do you know what? The, my favourite thing about it, right, is he sits down and he says... I'm formally announcing that at the end of the 22 Formula One season, I will be retiring. And then he just goes on to talk about himself for another two and a half minutes, like his, what his favorite things to do are, what he enjoys as a person, like how he just feels about life in general. And that is like just the beautiful thing of it. Like the important, here's the bullet point. I'm leaving F1 at the end of the season. Here's just a bit about me that you've never known before. I've joined yeah, social media no, now. Because he just doesn't do, yeah, he yeah. doesn't really do much yeah. media stuff, does he? So. I like yeah, that. Cool. I like that. There's it was a very it. Sebastian Vettel way of doing it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like Sebastian Vettel. I could sit and I could talk for hours. Does he? Oh, yeah, yeah, hundred percent, percent. Anyway, his seat's already been filled. So it was announced this morning um, at the time of recording that Alonso will be replacing him, which seems, I mean, very left field because I. If I was Alonso, I couldn't see wanting to move, which has led to many discussions of has he kind of been pushed out of Alpine? Have Alpine decided they'd rather put their young driver Piastri in the seat? Do we think we're getting an announcement about that? There's potential there. So... It's kind of bonkers. Like when I saw it this morning, I assumed it was fake and went and like checked. Yeah. 
the Ditto. Twitter account I was reading it from. I was like, no way, this is actually <laughs> a real source. Yeah. It's kind of out of nowhere. Um, I mean, should we just like start the inbox? Because obviously we've had a lot of questions about it. So we might as well just use that as a jumping off point, I suppose. Yeah, let's, let's start yeah. with those questions about this specifically then. Okay. We've got to go into it, Chris. Oh yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry. You want the you want the jingle as well? Come on. Yeah, we man. should do. It. We should of use course. this as a, as a as a way into inbox. This is good. Okay. Well, seeing as our Ferrari messed up this week, we're going to have a return to this one. Three. Is. Uh, can we say now? Stay. Stay out. Stay out. Stay out. If only this week it had gone, no, no, stay out, stay out. Yeah. Things could have been completely different. If only. If only. I, I, when I listened back to that, I was like, oh my God, he's actually saying box for hard, stay out, stay out. If only, man. Anyway, read away, Chris. <laughs> right, chunk of inbox. I'll see if I can get through these without having a coughing fit. Uh, Charlotte Taylor, was Alonso <laughs> pushed out by Alpine or did he choose to leave? Cornwolf says, and I would be asked a lot, but do you think it's a good move for Alonso? Personally, I'm saying no. Alpine are fighting for fourth best with McLaren and Aston are struggling to get out of Q1. Another bad move for Alonso. Holly Woodward, uh, what do you think the future dynamics of the team will be like between Fernando and Lance? Surely Fernando knows he's going into the team as number two regardless of performance. And Toby Godfrey adds, how fine will the particles be of what's left of Lance Stroll's racing career halfway through next year when Alonso grinds him into a fine dust? Wow. So lots to unpack there. Yeah, I'd, so I, I, there's no there's no dimension in which Fernando Alonso goes to a Formula One team and is the number two driver. First of all, he's <laughs> going there to be I, the number one driver. I don't know if Lance knows what's about to hit him. Like if he thinks being up against <laughs> Vettel's been tough, boy oh boy. Yeah. Um, um, is it a good move? Depends how long he wants to stay there, doesn't it? Sideways. It's probably a sideways move, I would say. Yeah, I think it's a sideways it's a, at best. He's going into a... Well, he's at best, yeah. He's going to a slower team. There's no doubt yeah. about that. Right yeah. Now. I think they do come up with, like, interesting designs on their cars. And, like, you know, the, the, the rear wing this weekend is proof of that. Um, but Alpine are, like, proper full manufacturer. <laughs> you yeah. forget that they're Renault. They're basically Renault. They're a proper yeah. manufacturer team. And... You, you're going away from that and I, I'm kind of like yeah. I know there's like I think there's a project for Aston Martin to get their own engine and to do their own thing isn't there yeah Once I mean regulations come in for engines but their new factory is nearly done <sighs> they've got their own wind tunnel I think or they will have soon like a lot of money's being pumped into that team and I do think the ingredients are there for them to be a front-running team in the next five years six years maybe is Alonso going to be there that long? I don't know. No, he doesn't have the patience. He's not. He's not going to sit yeah. there for all that time. Look at what happened with McLaren when he was at McLaren. Yeah, he just exactly. Did not have the patience for that project to go well. As soon as he left McLaren, suddenly McLaren are doing doing great. I mean, this, this is really the thing. Season. Like Alonso is not. I said this earlier when we were sort of discussing the news this morning, but the, Alonso is not. Uh, developer guy like as much as he's a talented driver and one of the best that we've seen in the last like 20 years he's not the kind of person that i would if i was 
building a team and picking drivers to develop a car and improve it, I would not mm. pick Fernando Alonso. If I had a fast car that could win races, I'd put Fernando Alonso in it. Yeah. If I had a slow car I wanted to make better, I would not put Fernando Alonso in it because, like Stu kind of pointed out before, look at the whole McLaren-Honda debacle. Like, it never it never feels like... I mean, we, we don't see behind closed doors, but to me, it never feels like there's any constructive development from Alonso. There's just complaints about what's not good enough, not, like, yeah. any work towards improving it. Um I mean, I, like I said, I could be completely wrong because you don't see behind closed doors, but that's, you know, that's how I've come no, to perceive him. No, that's, I think that's a fair him. assessment. <clears throat> so um, whether it's the right choice for Aston Martin right now is debatable, but yeah, it's, it's that or an unknown entity, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and on the first point of like, did he leave or was he pushed? It sounds like, from sort of the the rumblings from within the sport, it sounds like Alpine wanted to give him a one-year extension with another year as an option. Um, and that was the sticking point for Alonso because uh, yeah. Aston have announced him on a multi-year deal. So I guess that was the point. And like, you've got a... Obviously, we don't know exactly how much Alonso's getting paid, but it's probably an awful lot. And, you know, maybe Alpine are like, well, are we really getting our money's worth here? Like, yeah, he's had a lot of bad luck this season, but the points table doesn't lie and he's not outscoring Ocon this season. Um, In fact, I would say they are actually pretty closely matched, which is not what you would expect when you've got a two-time world champion in the team. And what I sort of feel is like I, I feel like that situation maybe is what helps me personally justify kind of my standpoint on it is if he was really providing huge amounts of contribution towards what's making that car gradually better, surely they'd be more than happy to give him a more than a one year deal if that is the case. Like if he was a a key part of the improvement that the Alpines yeah. had you would have expected that they'd have had no qualms with saying, yeah, yeah, here's a two-year deal. Mm. And if, you know, if that is the case, but it really does sound like there's an interesting chain of events, which is Alpine weren't willing to give that um, two-year deal out, that more, like that anything longer than one year guaranteed. So Alonso's kind of gone sniffing around the grid to see what he can find. Well, well, his team has, his agencies and stuff have. Somehow that's obviously come across Aston Martin's desk and they've essentially then said to Sebastian, you know, we need you to make a decision to tweet about if you're yeah. wanting to renew or not. Because like the, the again, the, the talk around the paddock is that they were asking Sebastian to make a decision before the end of the summer break, yeah. which to me smacks of this Alonso deal was already in the works and it was a, if Sebastian's not staying we will offer you a contract kind of yeah. situation because it's all come about so quickly. Um, so, yeah, it, interesting. But whether it's the best thing for Aston Martin or not is uh, another matter. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, I don't think I don't think he's been pushed out. I think this is all Alonso. I think yeah. Alonso's saw this. Week. I, <laughs> I would go as far as to say Alonso is such an opportunist. He's probably thought, you know what. 
not really that bothered about this. They're not going anywhere. He's probably had his mind made up for a while that he's not sure about this team and he's probably had some feelers out. And yeah. Vettel's happened to handing his hand in his shock resignation this this weekend. He's thought, oh, you know what? I'll go and have a chat to them, see if we can figure something out. And I would not be surprised if they just nailed it Maybe. all and Maybe. got it all sorted out. I mean, he's weekend. always wanted to make powertrain in the back of his car, hasn't he, for a long time? Yeah. So at least he's got that wish now, providing the stick with him. Because I guess the reverse way of looking at it is we've now had Ricardo and Alonso go to that team with the promise of, oh, we're building back towards the front. And they've both stuck it out for two years and said, actually, I think I'm better off elsewhere, which potentially yeah. a damning review of that team. But yeah, yeah. I don't know. Mm. It's a weird one. It's a very weird one. And it's going to, yeah. I mean, silly season is going to be insane from this point onwards. It's just messed up. Yeah, well, at least hasn't at it? least people can <laughs> at least at least people can stop wildly speculating that Schumacher's going to end up at Aston Martin. Yeah, that was never that, happening. Like this is bizarre, and and like Formula One media sometimes just becomes this echo chamber of everyone saying the same thing without any like real. It's because it's because it was sexy. It's like the yeah. Everyone had this like weird idea in the head it's that Seb Seb gets to pick yeah. who gets his seat. It's like that's yeah. not how it works. You don't just get to go. Yeah, I want that guy to have my seat. That's the stipulation yeah. of me getting yeah, out. It's of like it. you're holding the bar for someone, is it? Yeah. yeah oh, this guy's next. <laughs> like yeah. what? Like, it's so weird. It doesn't work like that. So, yeah. 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 Just uh, that. That was. Who do we see in the um in the Alpine then? So, I mean, oh, is, 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 someone must have. He's he's got to be Piastri. I think that that the feels theory. like the obvious one. Is Piastri. In theory, it should be Piastri. They, we know they've been trying to find him a spot on the grid anyway. Like I, there was talk of him going to well, there's been a lot of talk about Williams. There was even talk of him going to Aston Martin at one point, which obviously isn't happening now. Um, yeah. yeah, it should be Piastri, but given the way silly seasons going, I'll believe it when it happens. Yeah. Um, who is there anyone that we're particularly interested in outside of Formula One that we, we, we this season feels like a bit of a um, don't feel like we've got a lot of sort of really amazing talent coming through compared to previous years I mean Drogovic is looking good but probably too soon for him to be jumping straight up he's a Aston Martin you know isn't he I think officially, yeah. Yeah, he's finally he was, got he was unaffiliated until last race, last time yeah. out, wasn't he? So, um, but yeah, yeah I think... Chadders, maybe we get Chadders in the in the Williams then. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be against it. Yeah, I would <laughs> prefer that to a lot. I prefer that to a lot of the F two lot, to be honest. I think Logan yeah. Sargent is technically front of the queue for Williams, but I don't know if he's quite ready yet either. Mm. Um. I just don't. I look through the the F two and the F three grid at the moment, and I just don't see. It's it's frustrating because we were treated to that year of Norris, Russell, yeah. Albon, that yeah. was just like an absolute showstopper of a year, and they were all really good, and clearly all had the goods to 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 move forward. And I just do not see anyone really who's who's sort of like this got is... that sort of killer instinct and that like. You know that that infallibility that the three of those two seem to have. Yeah, th this is kind of what we talked about a few weeks ago, though, isn't it? Where this is this is like the peaks and troughs of, of series like F two, where yeah, you get a really good year where like three, maybe even four drivers have it's potential really to get yeah. out of it, and they either end up in F one or 
like Nick DeFries, you know, ends up in Formula E, so on and so forth. Like they kind of go on to the next thing after finishing F2 and doing really well at it. And then you're sort of left with a little bit of a lull while everybody that's left is sort of either a bit of a sort of a, I mean, journeyman's a really harsh word for it, but you do get those kind of drivers that just kind of mull around in F2 for yeah. season after season after season and never yeah. look like winning it, but are good enough to kind of stay on the grid. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of the grid are those You drivers. get those. Yeah, you get those. And then it sort of slowly builds up again. And then you get two or three that maybe they needed a year's experience with the car and stuff like that to get settled. And then suddenly you've got two or three competing for a championship. And then they're all like, they've all grown in talent to the yeah. point where they're like F1 and FE and Formula E and, you know, everything else. Touring cars, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Um, endurance, 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 endurance. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. look, look I, I mean, I'd like to see Jamie Chadwick get into F two next season, a minimum, I think, yeah. and get a go at that. I mean, this could be an amazing opportunity for for an F one team like Williams or something like that if they're going to be pootling around at the back anyway. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying Jamie Chadwick is going to be pootling at the back. I reckon if Jamie Chadwick came into Formula One, she might do an all right job. I, think she, I don't think she'd be at the back. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know it, that I mean that's that's wild speculation that remains to be seen. I think it would be an amazing PR opportunity for, especially oh, for sure. given you know women's sport in this country at the moment is really sort of like t- taking off. We had the the women's Euros yeah. just, and yeah. you know the England ladies won it. What an amazing thing for for a British team if they could get a driver like you know team like Williams to get a driver like Jamie Chadwick would be absolutely amazing. Yeah, that's um, that's the silly season I want. <laughs> I mean, look looking at the Shall current. We do the next one. I'm just looking at the former, um, current Formula Two standings, and I think the two standout names are probably Porsche and Sargent, who are currently second and third. But to be honest, I yeah. think the best thing for them would be if they remain second or third, so they can have another season of F2, and they'll probably yeah, be ready for F1 case, in another couple of years' time. Yeah, you know, Gaz, say, Gasly as well. Like that, that happened to him, didn't it? He yeah, ended up getting carted off to uh, Japan. To Super Formula, Formula which yeah, Gasly yeah. good right now. Same problem. Series. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, next one. Um, yeah. Lots of Ricardo questions in relation to all this. Um, so we've just picked out one from the grab bag, and <laughs> um, I'm going to read it. So Dan Instant says. A lot of people were lining up a move to Aston Martin for Ricardo if it didn't imp- if he didn't improve uh, if he didn't improve at McLaren after the Alonso announcement. I can't see Danny going back to Renault Alpine if things don't improve at McLaren. Are we now looking at Danny? Where are we looking at him next season? Is it do or die for him? I agree that he's not going back to Alpine. I think that'd be. I think he, yeah, I don't think those he would. rumors are madness. Um, yeah, I think there's still time at McLaren for him to. Yeah, to you know, to do well. There's glimmers, like, isn't there? As well, that's the thing. There's glimmers of it, of it starting to come good. But yeah. I mean, not to start saying to the pessimist, but I feel like we've sort of been seeing that on and off for a long time now. And I just wonder how long, like Ricardo himself, is going to be willing to. Like, I, I have made I've made a lot of excuses for Danny Ricardo up to now, mm. and. I am like I've said, I've already said actually like I've said in a previous episode that I've run out of sort of I love the guy like I think he's yeah. wicked he's one of my favorite Formula One drivers but I just can't 
the, the great Formula One drivers who win world championships are drivers that can put up with, they can drive around issues when like, yeah. they don't have they quite adapt. have the car that that's right for them. They, they're adaptable. And he just doesn't seem to have that adaptability that he needs to, to really, really sort of take the lead in a team and become their number one driver and win a championship. Mm. Um, every time he's moved team, he's always seems to have ended up just either on a par or, or, or well, in, in this occasion, you know, Norris is grinding him into a fine powder, isn't he? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, I think he really, really needs to book his ideas up uh, at, at McLaren if he's going to stay there for another season. But um, there is time still for him to do yeah. it. And like I said, there, are being, there have been glimmers, but yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I think yeah. despite everything we've said and despite my own predictions that we made a few weeks ago I, I do think he will see out the last year of that contract next year but i think things will have to change a lot to see any more than that one year yeah i'd like that i would i would i would what there's nothing i want more in the world than danny ricardo to get into a mclaren and win races that's oh, yeah. what i want to see i would love that but i just can't see it yeah i think i agree with all that so nothing more to add uh, Mucheco says three DNFs in the remaining races and Max would still lead the championship regardless of where Leclerc finishes can these floor reg changes stop him from being crowned the driver champion for 2022 no no probably not at this point I, I, think, I think it's going to take a lot the main reason no as well is the fact that it's also going to affect Ferrari and it's Mercedes yeah. that are ultimately in theory yeah. going to benefit from the changes and they're already like not too far behind to to get in the mix, but realistically, they're too far adrift. And yeah. had it been different, had it been like Red Bull were the only team getting away with the, these like differences, and it would mean that Ferrari would get even further ahead of them, then yeah, potentially it it would be enough. Mm. But the fact that yeah. Ferrari are going to be affected as well kind of kills off yeah. any. Anything, I think it's, it's yeah. I th- it's weird to yeah. be in the point that we are. I think thinking that you're provisionally crowning a world champion <laughs> at this stage. <laughs> I'm not doing. I am um, not crowning anyone yet. No way. Go on, Chris. I say even if absolute worst case scenario, it does really like screw Red Bull and they lose their pace. It'd probably be kind of like a Jensen Button situation where. He'd stop winning races, but no one yeah. would have time to claw it back anyway. Yeah. Especially yeah, as enough. you say, because Ferrari will probably be affected as well. Oh, he's done. Yeah, he's done. Yeah. He's won what eight, nine races now. Yeah, eight, eight. I think. Okay, that eight that's not enough to win a championship. Year. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I mean, he. You know, he's had a very good season. I, I think. I'm less optimistic than you both. I think there's still room for Rebel to drop this. I think on a season like we've oh, yeah, so definitely. far as well, I think it's crazy. I think you'd be mad to write off. Either. I think you'd be mad to write off Mercedes still at this point. I think when you look at the engine penalties um, and things that people are going to be getting towards the end of the season and you factor in the fact that these two cars are probably going to be slowed down a little bit, when you've got them starting at the back of the grid, it's going to be much, much more difficult for them to make them make their way through the field in those situations. Yeah. You're going to get retirements because reliability has been awful. Um, I think if you're Mercedes, you start putting your eggs in your George Russell basket, you know. 
I really do. I think he's, <laughs> he's 20 points off Leclerc, so he can absolutely achieve second in the World Championship this year. There's no doubt about that. I think it's possible for him to, if they can start winning races and if they if they get the pace that they're hoping to get from this um, technical directive, then well, well, I'll say if, if the other teams lose the pace that they're expecting that yeah. we're expecting to lose in the technical directive, then I think George Russell's dealing with a shout for this championship. Don't write him off yet, man. I think Hamilton would be a real push, but I think George Russell could be done. I think Verstappen's going to have retirement. And he's yeah. going to have difficult races where he's got to start from a long way back. Yeah, he's definitely going yeah. to yeah. Oh, yeah, that's going to happen with the engine penalties for sure. Um, so you're gonna you are gonna but, there's there's opportunities for a big points for for a few big points differentials. So I, I just would not be writing anyone off for that. Well, I wouldn't even write. I certainly wouldn't be writing off Leclerc just yet. I know it's, it's these are dark days if you're Charles Leclerc and if you're Ferrari, but it, it's still there. It's still possible. There's gonna be reliability mm. issues. Yeah. So on on that note, Chris, enjoy reading this next one to Stu. Yeah, sort of leads nicely into a question from Albert. Nine races left, which track will Red Bull wrap up both championships? And also, <laughs> which track suits Mercedes the best for a win on merit? Abu Dhabi for Red Bull. Oh, do you think it'll go all the way to the end? Guns. I think it will. I really do. I really, really do think it will. I think it's going to be... I think it'll probably optimism. still be... It'll still have a reasonable lead. But I think he's going to... They're going to... He's, it's going to take a lot for... It's going to take a lot of development for the, for them to get through that technical directive and still have the speed that they've got. And yes, you know, I have faith in, I do have faith in Max Verstappen that he can win this championship. I think it's his to lose. It's absolutely his to lose at this point. Um, and things are going to have to go bad for Red Bull for the other teams to catch up. But I'm st- I still think that that can happen. Um, and in terms of Mercedes... I think if they were going to win one, the next one, what's the next one they can do? I think Belgium, they could probably, they could win Belgium on merit. Do you want my less optimistic answer? Go on. You don't think they're going to? Titles get wrapped up in Mexico. Mercedes win the next race in Brazil. Mm, Yeah. I can see Brazil. Yeah, Brazil's a good one. Brazil, Brazil, they could win one on merit there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tom, uh, I'm angling towards the same sort of position of Chris, like two, three races to go or something. I would much um, prefer you to be right. For the record, oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, in terms of want I mean, and what, expect, I, 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 I'll admit my answer was very, very optimistic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think maybe like a Hamilton style. Something's done by America, maybe. So that's maybe a race earlier. It depends. I mean, if this trend that we're currently on continues, then it probably will be like America when it's mathematically impossible, won't it? In theory, the current trend continues. So, yeah. Huh. Uh, I've got the next one. Have I? Or is mm. it you? No, oh, it's you. Yours next. Um, Kilowog says, with a likely spot for Piastri opening at Alpine, will Mercedes be successful in finding Nick DeVries a seat at Williams? 
I mean, De Vries hasn't done himself many favours this last weekend in Formula E. Um, <laughs> across the two races, he lost a podium because of a penalty for some pretty shocking defence. And then in the second race, he refused a team order to let uh, Van Dorn through to give him an extra couple of points. So um, his stock's not exactly gone no, up in not, the last few days. It's not a good... Not a very no. two bad things to go in your shop window there. No, yeah. there's a possibility he'll still turn up at Williams, but I mean, Toto Wolff has basically said if they don't find him a seat on the F1 grid next season, then they need to let him go because if it's not next year, then it's going to be never, basically. Um, and I'm kind of leaning towards never at this point. Yeah. I, as like well with them the dropping grid. out of FE, there's no like Mercedes program for him to realistically be in, is there? No. If he, if they can't get him on the F1 grid, no, he could end up at. Um, he's the sort of driver that I think could end up in like the Toyota program for WEC or something like. I that. was just I about to say I could like I could very path. much see him in World Endurance doing extremely well in Le Mans and you know those I mean, endurance there's, races there's um, so many hypercar seats coming up over the next few years like there's there's yeah. a lot of space for drivers like him on the grid yeah it's a good job it's an average f2 uh an f3 generation isn't it <laughs> gonna be just gonna have loads of job opportunities uh next one yeah next um wes asks uh, a number of times during the race i've noticed that only two or three cars were in actual drs range of the car ahead is this a Hungaroring thing or some sort of anomaly? Yeah, it's a weird one. That well, I, mean, I saw a lot of DRS. I don't know. I don't know if that's accurate. Is it? Like, I I feel like there were loads and loads of DRS um, over. To, well, DRS attacks. There were. There what, were what's the question? The question. There were is, definitely points of the race where things were quite strung out, but. I think I think the difference was that it definitely went through phases where you looked down the timing tower and there was like a, over a second's gap between most drivers. But oh, um, right. Where, whereas in the past that would just get stuck like that for the rest of the race, it felt like they were able to then kind of come back together and have some racing again. Like they didn't just get stuck outside DRS range. So yeah i think i was thinking the opposite this race i was i was i was feeling like they were getting through the drs range and then the drs was i was like why do we need this second drs zone we don't need it like it's not Mm. doing it's they they seem like they're getting through the corner quick enough and staying close enough that they can make the move without drs you feel like i felt like that second drs zone because there's no second drs point detection point left left you as a sitting duck where you couldn't defend and i don't think that's necessarily the right way of going about um, that with with this generation of cars, I don't think you need that second DRS zone here. Well, so, don't you know I mean, something I interesting? So I'm the other way. I'm, I'm like, I, there was too much DRS in this race. Oh, have you got your overtaking stats, Tom? Yeah, I was about to say, if you want something interesting to add to this. Um, yeah. This year's race, not that, so I, I managed to actually catch up with the person that does these stats. So you Reddit user called Catching Is One Thing and like had a little chat with them. So the the stats themselves don't include anything on lap one and is literally only on track overtakes so some clarity on last week's questions mm-hmm. basically no lap one nothing that's pit stop based is counted so proper racing then yeah proper racing overtakes 
And uh, if there was a standing restart, apparently they don't count those as well. You know, the first lap after that standing restart yeah. for similar reasons to lap one. Anyway, number of overtakes for the Hungarian GP this year, 65. And this is the most there's ever been in a dry Hungarian GP. In its entire oh, wow. Run. Dry? Well, I won't call it a dry. It was, it was damp towards the end, wasn't it? I mean, there were no wet tyres never... used. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. okay. That's so, uh, by, yeah, by, so statistical, by statistical analysis, it's a dry race. <laughs> yeah, um, that's fair. So, yeah, that's in, interesting. That. Um, sadly, one of the things that's not in the sheet at this moment is which ones were DRS and which ones weren't. Um, but I can say with uh, quite a strong air of certainty that a lot of them were into turn one from what I'm looking at in the stats yeah, right I mean, now. They always are, this circuit. But yeah, I think that's why you don't need that second DRS zone because you, one, of the, one of the beautiful things about this season is being the ability of cars to come back at the, at the overtaking car and yeah. to put the flag yeah. back to them and to try and make, get that move undone. And that second DRS zone takes that away. You've got the, you've already got the overtake done. Why do you need another dose of DRS to get away from afterwards? The just the, the irony was though that originally in in previous iterations, the first batch of DRS wasn't necessarily always quite enough yeah. to get the job done, and that's why the second one existed for the fight to continue yeah. into turn two. I and it, it I used to that. make sense, but it's one of those things that with the regulations that have changed, that situation's changed. And yeah, it's, I mean, it's one of those things though, until we got this running, it probably wasn't immediately obvious that it was going to be a thing. But what I would like to see is maybe next time out with these regulations at Ungaring, we don't have that second DRS. So I'd say I'm with you yeah. on that, that, that I'd be very interested to have just the one next time and see how that stacks up to these, 65 yeah. overtakes yeah. from this year. Or keep it and have a second detection zone so that the car that's been overtaken can then have a go back. Yeah. Yeah, like on the exit of turn one or something, so that it's the like you say, it's the car that's been overtaken is potentially fighting back into turn yeah. two rather than Yeah. Like you say, the the rather than the car that's made the move being able to get it away. More of an advantage. Yeah. yeah it's just yeah. it's so it's 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 completely broken that. Yeah. Thing. I think I think the thing that makes it difficult is it's hard to find places that you could like put um DRS zones, but your Formula One. Your Formula <laughs> One. Find a way. I, more, I think it's more about the track though. There's not anywhere that you could really uh, utilize DRS. I mean, where, oh, you mean where, DRS? Where, oh, you mean yeah. Do, where, I'm talking about. I thought you were talking about detection points. I no, no, no. Saying. I'm on about the actual straights where you'd use it. Like yeah. the only other place that I can think is the runs between turn three and four, but you don't really break for turn four, so no, you, it yeah, wouldn't I shut. Yeah, yeah. You don't want. That. Well, there's. I mean, you just have to push a button to shut it, and that's on the onus mm. on the driver to to use the tools that they've got. But I'm fine with keeping the DRS zone between between turns one and two, just get a detection point in between, yeah. you know, somewhere around the apex of turn one so that defending driver can have a go back at the person that's just overtaken rather than the person ahead just streaking off of it. Yeah. And I, I also think on top of all of that, that I think slash hope that this season we are watching the beginning of the slow death of DRS because ultimately 
we want these regulations to evolve such that we don't actually need it anymore. Yeah, yeah that's very true. We're not yet, be there yet, but I feel future. like we're going in that direction. No. But, you know, I don't hate the, the tactical nature of push to pass, though. I think there is merit. I think it's, there's, you know, there's, there's proof all around the spectrum of motor racing that yeah. push to pass buttons are, are good and do add an element of strategy in whatever format, whether that's sort of, you know, whether that's the Joker lap in Formula E or whether that's a limit on it. I think at one point there was a limit on the number of times you could use um, your, 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 power, your extra power button in, yeah. in Super Formula. Yeah, like Super Formula. They still have that actually, don't they? Yeah, I think in Super it's Formula a, it's like a, a power number of uses and then in IndyCar it's like a total number of seconds for the whole race and you can use it yeah all at once a few seconds of time whatever you want yeah the fact that everyone's got that tool makes it automatically fair yeah. right exactly yeah and yeah I, I, i've for a while I've, I've i've actually thought for a long time that the f1's implementation of drs and of push to pass since since the kurz days I've always wondered if there's a better way than rather than having a zone where where they allow them to do it instead, give them a limited number of times and just open it up so they can use it at any point of the track that they see fit and give them all those tools. And then it's down to sort of how much downforce that car's got and the driver is responsible for their use of it and they've got to use it. You know, it's up to them to use it in a safe way, obviously. And I'm sure you, you would see drivers make mistakes, but... <sighs> that whole opens up a whole another question of you know are, are we overly policing like the use of of these tools that the drivers yeah. have should they be given more freedom to manage their own safety yeah maybe yeah. it's interesting one. Mm. but do you know what would, would be interesting with drs as like uh managing it you, yourself and stuff like we say in there stu as like a, just a quick point to be able to use it potentially in a similar way to um, the way that, like, the overtake, the ERS energy is used, yeah. as in you can have so many, say, seconds or, or something of the lap with DRS mm -hmm. at, at your beck and call, but... Mm -hmm. You, you like so if I want to use it down the start finish straight from the moment I get out the last corner to the moment I go into turn one, and that's my two and a half three seconds of DRS for for that lap, then I can. If I'd rather yeah. use it on that run from turn three up into turn four to get a run on someone into turn four, I can. If I want to use yeah. it like wherever, and that might be a more interesting way to take advantage of it longer term is instead of policing it with zones is police it with a time limit yeah. to, but yeah i guess that's what Urs is already doing with the overtake button that we hear about so is it a bit pointless at that point just get rid of it and give them more a little bit yeah, more well, time with the ears or something that's if that's no possible. i think i think you still need it because it's a really visual way of showing yeah, that yeah. the car is is in a high power mode or in a in a in a in a in a, in a mode that allows it to go faster you know it's a really yeah. obvious sign on the car that says the driver is attacking yeah and that's that's cool like we want to see that stuff like that that's quite a rare thing because it's you movable aero at that point and that's a really really yeah. really cool thing to see it's one of the things that makes f1 stand out i think in the spectrum of motorsport so yeah i don't think i, I don't think it should go i think it should be there sh if anything there should be more of it and it should be opened up more and it should be 
at least thought about how they can make it into a more useful tool for the drivers across the 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 length of the whole race rather than just restricting to that one point you could maybe even go down the route of like you can open drs 25 times or like 30 times a race regardless of gap and then you could have you know you could use it for attack use for defense you could use it for try and set a fast lap you could use it to have a faster in lap or something like there's there's a lot of ways exactly like you know set the fastest could it be dtm maybe use it differently no DTM. I want to. Th- I to want to think is one of the lower formulas that uh, the one of the lower open wheel formulas that now use DRS have a limit as to how many times, mm. you can, how many laps you can use it on. You can use it on so many laps, not all the time. There's definitely something out there where yeah. there's like a counter, and you can't just use it all the time, and you've only got so many uses. A little bit like in Formula E, we have the um, thingy zone. The uh, boost the yeah the boost zone where Fan- you've got uh, yeah, to, you've yeah, got yeah. to use it twice um so you, everyone's got to do it at least twice and yeah everyone's got to take the joker corner twice yeah and then the you've got to it gives you, you a certain amount of time of extra power that you, yeah that but it, that activates it so that once you've gone through that zone it's then active for however yeah. long they've decided it's going to be active for that At race. that race yeah um but yeah, I'm pretty sure there is a formula somewhere that uses DRS and limits like how many laps you can use it on, how many times oh, you can do it. It looks like when it was GP3, they used a system like that. But since it's become Formula uh, 3, they've maybe switched to the same system. Possibly then. Mm, maybe yeah. they've picked up the detections, the permanent detections. Anyway, shall I do yeah. the last question because we've gone on a yeah, yeah. wild tangent. We're, we're tangent in, tangent in. Tangent Final in. question from Tom Murray. What do you think the next move for Seb will be? Pundit, extreme, activist, politician. I'd love to hear some of your favourite moments of his too. For me, it was the underpants protesting and the number switch in Canada. I'll miss that dude. I will also yeah, very much him. miss him. Um, I think he, He's had some feelers out, hasn't he? He's, <laughs> he's, he's been trying his hand at a few things lately. He has, yeah. I reckon his next role is father and husband. After what he said in his video release thing, his press release, whatever you want to call it, I would would not be surprised if you didn't see much, if anything, of him for a couple of years minimum. And he just sort of disappeared and went. Because his private life has always been exactly that, very private. Mm -hmm. And I think he wants to be able to go have more of that with his wife and his children. So I would not be surprised to not see him for a good couple of years. And then maybe he'd come back occasionally, like say the German GP was back on the calendar or something, and he'd, he'd maybe make the odd appearance. But I genuinely can't see him doing like full-time punditry or anything. And, you know, he might roll out for the race of champions and stuff at the, at the end of each season, like those kind of things. But yeah. I don't know. I, just the, the demeanor of his, the demeanor yeah. of his like, message to everyone to me says that he doesn't want anything to do with motorsport right now because he's a bit disillusioned with it and it doesn't meet what he wants from life right now he does seem very interested in um synthetic fuels he's been doing a lot of stuff around that recently so i can maybe see him if we're going to see him anywhere i think it'll maybe be some involvement with that yeah, it, I think it'd be some sort of like synthetic fuel or 
some sort of re renewable energy based sport if he's involved in anything. So like your extremes and your Formula E's and yeah. so on. And then what I'd love to see is when he's uh, when he's a bit older and his kids have grown up, he'll come back and um, take on the FIA presidency because that'd be a oh that'd be amazing. Fresh air. He would make that would be amazing. amazing. Yeah, yeah. That would be such, I can't think of anyone better for that no. job. Actually, that would be really nice. Um, there you go. That's my answer. In terms of favorite <laughs> memories, um, I mean, there's the the 2013 run when he won nine races in a row, which is a record I think he's going to stand for a very long time. Like, he was just yeah. unstoppable that season. Um, and then the one that always springs to mind for me is Brazil 2012, when he got turned around on the first lap and had to claw his way back from last place to uh, to win the championship, which is where the um, yeah. Alonso staring yeah. down the pit lane meme came from. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Um I mean in terms of say racecraft and everything, for me it's probably his first ever win in that Toro Rosso. Yeah. Uh Imola. Like that that, that yeah, that was an amazing drive. Um an amazing weekend really for him. And I think that's where yeah, he sort of Monza, 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 not Imola. Monza. Uh sorry, yeah, I meant Monza. Um my apologies. But yeah, the I think that would have had a freak out <laughs> with not um... Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that that was a standout for me. I think. I mean, he's had a lot over the years, but that was a. I mean, one of my favourite moments that includes Sebastian Vettel, but for a bad reason, is Canada, as we all know, because of the spin that allowed one Mister Button to overtake him for the win. <laughs> uh, which year is it now? Twenty thirteen. Twelve. Yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah, twelve or thirteen. I would say. Yeah. It was, anyway. it was putting in McLaren. I think it was. After, it might have been two thousand and eleven. Yeah, actually, yeah. I think about being eleven. Well, basically, that race is one of my favourite F one memories. They involve Sebastian Vettel, <laughs> but obviously, I mean, he made it a good memory for me. So if that counts, I'll take it. Sure, it's not one of his. <laughs> Seb Vettel. What's my favourite memories of Seb Vettel? I think one of my standouts will always be um, Azerbaijan when he. <laughs> When he wheel around Hamilton, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a funny um, and then um, of course, like the the bumper car. What are we doing here? What the f are we doing? Yeah, but that is just created. He, he was for a while. Sebastian Vettel was the gift that kept giving so much good team yeah. radio for us. So yeah, it's so much amazing team radio. Um, he came in like a torpedo. That one, that, <laughs> the team, the torpedo. Thing Where's he from really again? <laughs> yeah. You came in like a torpedo. Um, oh, remember his that? Um... Yeah, those, I, th I think that just like you know those really kind of like passive aggressive <laughs> comments that he'd sometimes make oh, to a driver. It's very hard to sleeve kind of guy. He's driving Ferrari. He yeah, was, yeah, but I, that that's what I love about yeah. it. He was always, no matter like which era of Sebastian we're talking about, like the the sort of bullish, literally bullish Red Bull era, <laughs> or the the sort of more relaxed and conservative modern era of Sebastian. He's always been entertaining in like driver press conferences. Always, yeah. yeah. He will. He will he's always. Yeah, he's he's hilarious. His sense of humor is probably one of the best on the grid like like there's there's a handful of drivers that i constantly find funny and 
him, Ricardo, and Norris are probably the three of them. Like pe- yeah. people love to bring up the um, the gentleman a short view back to the past uh, <laughs> thing with a question that went on for like ten minutes, yeah. but. <laughs> It was mm. Seb who was the one straight after that who was straight away like, oh, can you repeat the question? Like, that is just, yeah. that's gold. That's comedy gold. Yeah, it was. It was brilliant. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm really going to miss it. That, I think he'd, that, it's F1's loss very much that he's leaving. Oh, yeah. yeah. 100%. 100%. It is. F1's loss and somebody else out there's gain. Yeah. Yeah. And on that lovely heartwarming note, um, <laughs> that brings us to the end of uh, another episode. So thank you to everyone who's uh, joined us for this bumper episode where we've discussed the Hungarian GP, Alonso's future and Sebastian Vell's future. Um, and we fixed DRS. We just and we fixed we DRS. Fixed yeah, DRS we did. We fixed well. DRS as well. Kind You're of. welcome, everyone. <laughs> if you'd like to tell us how we're wrong about DRS, please head to any social media platform and type in back of the grid and we will come up and you can berate us. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to join with Predictions League once season kicks back in uh, in Spa, you can head to backofthegrid.com and register on there. Uh, and as mentioned earlier, you can find links to all the predictions and uh, sorry, the fantasy leagues and stuff like that on there as well. Getting a bit distracted by your cat over there. I'm getting smashed in the face by my cat. It's been a little yeah. douchebag. Um, <laughs> it's a family show. <laughs> sorry, I can cut that bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've generally lost track I'm, I might as well just say bye Edna. so that is it for things. this week yeah you got us all you can find yeah. you, uh, just make sure we got grid rival Head yeah yeah we've done that join the league and um, yeah we're on all the socials uh, and we'll be back over the summer break with a couple of episodes as per usual but we'll probably be talking bigger topics like there's a few inbox questions that we've maybe sidelined a little bit because they're quite more general things rather than race specific so with us having a bumper run of races recently we'll maybe bring a few of those out and go into a bit more detail on them and so on so stick with us and we will be around during the summer break to keep you entertained hopefully yeah get your fix at Formula One with Back of the Grid (laughs) yeah but yeah thank you for listening everyone and we will see you soon goodbye bye Bye.